right, we're good. Okay, all right, everybody, it's uh, one past 11. And uh, let me see here, maybe I'll do my cameras so are not cutting the top of my head off. <laughs> my forehead is getting longer every week, but, <laughs> but we don't need to cut it off. So, okay, um, so I'm gonna call the meeting to order. This is a Affordable Housing Advisory Board meeting for the city of Lawrence, it's April 10th. And to start off, we're gonna take roll and see who's here and then uh, we'll get on with our business. So uh, Karen Wiley. Commissioner Willie here. Willie, it's Willie. I'm. I miss do that every time. I'm so sorry, Karen. I'm gonna make a note here. Okay, Sarah Waters here. Nicholas Ward here. Phil Engelhart. Mark Bueller. Christina Gentry here. Erica Zimmerman. Here. Dana Ortiz. Here. Shannon Aury. Edith Guffey. Here. Thomas Howe. Trent Santee. And Monty Soka. Um, so we do have a quorum. And with that, we will get on. And if, uh, Leah, do you want to read kind of the opening comments? And then we'll open it up for, are you, I'm sorry, are you, you ready? Okay. okay. All right. I'm having technical problems. Okay. <laughs> so bear with us. We're having a few technical problems, but. Uh, okay. Um, thank you, Mr. Chair. Good morning, everyone. Uh, this is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. I have just a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating in the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear um, you will still be able to hear the meeting. When you're participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you are welcome to send me a chat. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. A few notes on public comment. When the chair calls for public comment, individuals attending in person should approach the podium to indicate they wish to speak. The podium can be raised and lowered, and we encourage you to use this feature to ensure your comments are heard. Individuals participating via Zoom should use the raise the hand function to indicate they wish to speak. Please leave your virtual hand raised until you are called in. Individuals will be called in the order they appear on the host meeting screen. Please state your name before speaking. All comments will be limited to three minutes. Thank you. And now I'll turn the meeting back over to Mr. Sokup. Thank you, Leah. Um, Sokup. And I'm just going to note that uh, Mark... Uh, came into the meeting today, so I'm going to mark him as. Oh. And here comes Thomas Howe. So, uh, apologies, Ben Light. So, just I'm going to add them to the roll. I don't know where you're going to sit, Thomas. <laughs> yeah, my seat. All right. There's a microphone and everything. 
You're now the planner for the city of Lawrence. <laughs> wow. Oh, it's going to be some change. Uh, okay. All right. I'll just start. You're fired. <laughs> All right. So um, with that, I'm going to open it up for public comment. Um, so um, there's no one here in the uh, meeting rooms. Did we have anyone online that would like to make a public comment? Okay. I see no one online. So we're going to close public comment and move on to item B, which is approving the minutes of the March 13th, 2023 meeting. And I would open that up for either a motion or a comment. I move that we accept the meeting, the meeting minutes as submitted. Okay. So we have a motion. Do I have a second? I will second. We have a second. So uh, is there any discussion of the minutes? Okay, and I do want to point out that even if you were not here, you can vote on this as long as you've read the minutes and you don't make it, you know, disagree, but you can vote to approve the minutes even if you were not at the meeting. So with that, I'm going to take the roll um, in the same order. So Karen? Aye. Sarah? Approve. Nicholas? Approve. Bill? Approve. Mark? Approve. Christina? Approve. Erica? Approve. Dana? Approve. Edith? Approve. Thomas? Approve. Monty, so Monty, approve. Motion passes 11-0. With that, we'll move on to the next item. We're gonna discuss the home applications and consider the award recommendations. Um, I'm assuming that, Danny, do you have a, a something to share with us? I do. Okay, thank you. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Walters with Planning and Development Services. Um, I apologize to all of you. Uh, Brad is on vacation, so you're getting the B team here today with this presentation. Um, so I will just uh, kind of go over a little bit about what the home program is and um, and why uh, your group is charged with looking at this and then um, see if there's any questions. And then there's probably a couple of recusals that will have to take place and then we can move on. So um, just to explain a little bit about the home program, the city of Lawrence we, receives a uh, home allocation via a formula every year. It is kind of a, uh, a sister grant, if you will, to the community development block grant. And Prior to the AHAB having been charged with looking at these allocations, the uh, Community Development Advisory Committee was the body that, that made these decisions. Since home is a affordable housing grant from HUD, it seemed very natural to, to bring this to the AHAB to look at and to give us uh, some recommendations on. So that's that's kind of how it ends up with you. It's a completely different pot of money than what the housing trust fund is. These this is an entitlement grant from the federal government. Um, the grant itself, as I mentioned, is used to develop and support affordable rental housing and home ownership affordability. The activities can be acquisition, new construction, reconstruction, rehab tenant-based rental assistance, it goes, it goes on and on about what this can be utilized for. The applications that you have in front of you today have all been reviewed by staff and are all eligible. 
Um, there's actually not anything um, different in these applications than what you have seen in the past. I will say the only difference, and um, I, I believe if, if there's questions about this, that the, the applicant can speak to it, but for tenants to homeowners in the past, I just want to point out that you have received a application from them for first-time homebuyer assistance. And as they were doing their application this year, they determined that it could be better utilized within that um, um, community housing development organization development category. So that's why that's why we're not seeing a first-time homebuyer application this year. And, and like I said, the, the grantees can can speak to that as well. A um, couple of things of note on the home grant that makes it a little different is that the, um, as I mentioned, community um, housing development organization does automatically get a 15% allocation for development activities. That is a minimum. So you are absolutely able to, um, to recommend funding over that 15%. And uh, we'll, I'll, I'll have Jeff put up the um, allocation spreadsheet here in just a moment, and that will kind of show you the math on that and, and where everything looks. And then the, um, the CHOTO operating, that community housing development organization operating, is a max of 5%. So that's kind of what you're looking at with those caps for this particular grant. Um, any questions before you guys start start looking through these. Um, I, I, I will say that this year, we're a heck of a lot closer to the amount requested and the amount available than we have been in quite a while. So um, that's, I know that was exciting for us to see because this is usually a really, um, it's a really tough conversation to have because typically we have requests that are that are way over the amount we have to work with. We did get more money in home this year. So I think that kind of helped uh, helped fill that space a little bit. So, um, and with that, if you have any questions for me or we can just kind of dive into it, we can get that spreadsheet shared. And um, I guess the recusals, if this is the, the point where those need to happen, then um, we can do that, so. Okay, so I guess we'll open it up for questions. Do we have any first recusals that would be required? Yeah, uh, Nicholas Ward here. I'll be recusing myself on behalf of tenants to homeowners. Erica Zimmerman, Lawrence Habitat. I'll be recusing myself. Can I ask for a clarification? Do I just need to go off camera or do I have to meet, leave the meeting completely? I think we determined off camera is fine. Thank you. If you have to go out in the hallway. <laughs> Thanks, Nicholas. Okay. And then Shannon's not here, obviously. So she Yeah, it looks fine. like I don't know if we have a representative from the Housing Authority online or not. Um, I did see that Rebecca was online for tennis to homeowners for questions. Um mm -hmm. not sure if anyone from Housing Authority is here though. Okay. All right, so uh, is there anything else that we, you have, Dan, Danny or Not particularly. Leah? Okay. Um, happy to answer any questions, so. So let's put up, and we'll get to questions here in just a second. Let's go ahead and put up the funding 
and we put up the funding uh, spreadsheet that shows the request, and then what we have available kind of as a starting place, and then we'll go right into questions. And we have invited all the applicants here as well, um, so they can directly speak to any questions on their application. Okay. All right. So as you can see, we have 507,000 and change available to allocate and we have 525 in requests. Um, and then you can see the, the actual request. So with that, I'm gonna open it up to questions or discussion on any of the applications. I had a general question for, for Danielle and that is, uh, how does this number, the 507,000 compare to the past and how do you all make projections for like, I mean, what, what, what should we expect next year with, you know, given the past track record and so forth? It, um, for the home grant, it has actually been creeping up over the past few years. Um, I would say, I think last year we had around 485,000. And then this year we're, we're, you know, up to where we're at. Um, I, I can say that because our start date for the grant is in August, a lot of times we will have the amount that we have to work with before we start having these discussions. If we don't, then we utilize what we got the year before. In, but this is an actual number from HUD. This is, a this is actual. Yeah. I don't have a question. This is Christina Gentry. Um, I don't have a question so much as I had a comment about how um, exciting it is to see um, some of these um, allocations can be and these funds can be like recommended at full. Uh, that's the way I took it anyway on the recommendations. And I'll just be very frank. Um, I was able to kind of understand that um, the amount requested could absolutely be something that that we could recommend. Um, and so I did just that. Um, my recommendation was to um, operate or pull, pull, allocate all funds that were requested with with the exception of the 300,000 um, requested. And that was only because I did the subtraction of the, of the amounts that we had. So I rec I just recommended that 287,000 be recommended to Lawrence Douglas County Housing Authority for their transitional program. So that's where my vote lied. And I was really happy at this go round that we were able, that I was able to see that all of these made sense. We have the money there and then it could be pushed out into these um, the recommendations and requests. So that was really happy uh, moment for me when I think, you know, all this money available, the requests, and we have that to support. Uh, so that was just my, my, my comment. Okay. Any thoughts on that, or do we want to start with that as a recommendation for funding? Are you making a recommendation? Oh, I, I'm, this is Christina Gentry. I'm not making a recommendation. I was giving my recommendation uh, and what I, I proposed, mm -hmm. but that it was a great um, opportunity to see all of these requests being filled by by my recommendations. Um, that hasn't been what's happened in the past, um, but that's what we where we're at today. And so, mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't recommend that the entire members also vote that way, but that was just mine. 
Mr. Chair. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, and Thomas. so I have a question for Daniel. Is there any reason for us to have any hold off, how, hold back on these funds? There's no reason yeah, is there. Um, there. There is not because there, we have a certain amount of time to spend them. Now that time is five years. However, um, things can happen. <laughs> Uh, so we we prefer to have those immediately go into activities. Good, thank you. Mr. Chair, this is Sarah Waters with KU. Um, I agree with Christina on the way that she looked at this. It was it was very nice. I mean, knowing that Habitat and tenants to homeowners are just meeting every single checkbox. I looked at it in terms of scoring, as is the housing authority. Um, I'll go ahead and make the recommendation. <laughs> unless there's additional, and I guess we can have discussion as part of that. So I would recommend that we fully fund Habitat at 50,000, the CHODO set aside at 150,000, uh, the CHODO operating at 25,000, and then do the math for whatever is left uh, for transition housing for Lawrence Douglas County Housing Authority. And that's how we go ahead and allocate these home funds for this cycle. All right, thank you, sir. So we have a recommendation, uh, any discussion? on that okay i can't okay it's all good well, yeah i need to hold on i need to oh, go ahead dana thank you um this is a, a really exciting trend i'm not sure how long um trends go so we definitely <laughs> want to take advantage of them while they're higher um, I will say that the Lawrence Douglas County Housing Authority with the transitional voucher along with New Horizons vouchers is one of the primary ways that families that we serve get uh, a qualify for a housing voucher. It has like less stringent requirements and if they're successful on that, then they can qualify for a Section 8 voucher longer term. So this is one of the key vehicles that um, that we utilize with folks that we're working with at Family Promise. All right, I, I had uh, the small take soak up chair. I uh, also had that thought. I would I would probably have maybe split the difference between tenants to homeowners and uh, housing authority, maybe 10,000 and whatever the remainder is. Um, just because this is one of the few places we have, I think, you know, as we went through our strategic uh, goal setting and looking at all that, we really concentrated pretty heavily on building units as opposed to funding uh, a lot of uh, voucher programs and those kind of things. So I think that fund is gonna concentrate on that and the importance of this transitional housing. And when I looked at the success rate of this transitional housing program, I feel pretty strongly this is a great place to fund it. Um, but if others don't support that, I'm okay with that too. I think this is a good plan. Uh, I probably would have maybe split a little bit, but. And, and I would agree with that. It makes sense to me that we would, uh, what that difference is, in other words, between the mm -hmm. $7,042 or 42 cents yeah, and, and the $525,000 requests, if we could take that $22 and prorate it two to one, because that's, or three to two more accurately, that's pretty close to what the Lawrence Douglas County Housing Authority and the 
Tenders to home. Oh, as a percentage of the request. Percentage yeah. of the request, yeah. And I think that that uh, habitat, their request is kind of the lowest end of that, and so I'm I would move that we keep that their request the same. Yeah. So what is that? What is that? And so essentially, Christina, that's doing what you're talking about, just allocating that difference to both of those larger organizations, larger requests. So it'd be like 290-ish and... It, it looks like that one. difference is 17,958. Yeah. So that's 8,979 split right down the middle. And might I... <laughs> I'm sorry about this. Might I suggest that we do... 10,000 less, to, so 290 LDCHA, and then uh, the remainder to the remainder tenants. to tenants. Yes. Sorry about that, Danielle. <laughs> that almost fully funds. Yeah, it comes very close to both of the requests. So I think at this point, we still have a motion on the floor. Yeah, this is Sarah Waters. I will pull my motion that I made. I'm not sure that it was actually seconded before. Yeah, it wasn't seconded, so but I will pull it so it doesn't even need to be considered further. Somebody else can make an official motion to see if somebody else second it. Good. Danielle, will you put those numbers back up on the screen there? Or they're on. Mr. Administrator. So I would move that we allocate $290,000 to LDCHA's request, that we allocate $50,000 to Lawrence Habitat for Humanity, and that we allocate $167,042 to both of the tenants to homeowners. That's a motion. I would second that. All right, so we have a motion and a second. Is there any uh, further discussion? I just have a question for clarification. This is Edith Guffey. And uh, my question is, does, is this a separate set of vouchers that, um, you know, we hear that uh, clients are having trouble finding or using the vouchers. Is this a separate set? So there's no trouble using these vouchers? These are, are you asking if it's a separate set from New Horizons? Yeah, I just hear. It, yeah. it is. Okay, yeah, it, thank it you. Is. That's all I need. Okay, any further discussion? So we have a motion and a second on the floor, which all willing, I will take roll. So a yes would affirm this allocation as shown. A no would be not affirming, obviously. Karen? Yes. Sarah? Yes. Phil? Yes. Mark? Yes. Christina? Yes. Erica, oh, Erica's name. Dana? Yes. Uh, Edith? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Monty? Yes. Motion passes 9 0. Go grab Nicholas. Uh, yeah, go get Nicholas. And uh, it's great to not to have two difficult decisions right. by having enough funding. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we will move on to the next item as soon as Nicholas gets in.
Leah, as I look at the agenda, I did not see a place for new business and I have an item of new business that I would like to bring up. Does that come maybe before the um, quick updates? Um, I would suggest to include it in the quick updates after the regular agenda items. Does that work for you, Yeah, it's fine. All right, now that we have Nick, Nicholas back. Um, so we need to discuss the project and process recommendations for the 2024 Affordable Housing Advisory Board Capital Improvement Plan project. So Leah, do you have a little bit of lead into that or do you want me to? Um, yeah, I can, this is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. I can just um, help to refresh everybody's memory and then kick it back over to Mark okay. for further discussion. Right. Great. So we've discussed the AHAB CIP a couple of occasions and at this point um, we're hoping for the AHAB to um, move to a decision about what process you all would like to recommend to the city commission for use of the CIP and just to sort of jog your memory about what the options are as has been discussed in the past is that those funds can be used um, in conjunction with sort of pooling them with the housing trust funds um, and administering them with the regular affordable housing trust fund notice of funding opportunity. And so that perhaps it would be, you know, a designated set of funds um, um, that would increase the overall amount that they have has to allocate this year. Um, another option is to develop a separate process for applications um, more narrowly focused on affordable housing development or infrastructure and to run a separate RFP or NOFO process. And then the final option that we've discussed is to develop a project for the from the AHAB so that the AHAB would identify a parcel or um, infrastructure needs and then offered that recommendation to the City Commission. At the last AHAB meeting, there was discussion about looking at the list of potential city lots that the city may have um, potential for affordable housing development. Um, I did not include that on the agenda because we're just not there yet. That hasn't been a specific recommendation, but I do have the list pulled up if the AHAB wants to look at that in consideration today. Um, in my mind, the first step is really identifying how you would like to, what process you would like to use. And then after the process is decided, then we can get more specific about whether it's a specific lot or how exactly those funds would be bifurcated in the NOFO, whatever process is um, defined. So I'm happy to answer any other questions or just turn it back over to Monty. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Leah, could you expand on the city lots? Are, are those our authority to deal with? Um, this is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. No, would still need to be a recommendation to the city commission that they would ultimately have approval for. And so um, a possibility, what, what I might recommend if the AHAB is interested in doing that, is that the AHAB look at maybe two or three different city lots or privately owned lots that the CIP funds could be used to purchase and that those would go to the city commission for the ultimate decision. Would we actually purchase them with these funds from the city? That could be a possibility, yes. Would it, could they also grant them? Yes. Okay, that's 
one question. My other one is I, I'd like the policy that gives us the most flexibility. So I, I don't know which of the three those were, but anyway. So, okay, so I'm gonna jump in there, Monty, Soka. I think we have, uh, is for the 2024 CIP, do we need to spend that in it? We need to make a recommendation in a certain amount of time or spend those monies in a certain amount of time because we kind of have two, what I've seen here, at least in what I've looked at, is we might have two different situations. One situation where the, this year's funds, it might make sense to run them through our regular NOFO process and open it up to the pub, you know, to the market to see what we get and in a bucket essentially within our process. We'd say these funds are available only for infrastructure you know, kind of enabling projects that would enable or move forward affordable housing. But on the flip side of that, on future funds, I'd like I'd like us to work on coming up with projects that we think were good, working with the city or whoever, if, you know, if there's land that the city owns that just needs sewers or something like that that would enable us to develop, you know, five lots somewhere or two lots somewhere that we would work and this group, would come up with projects to push forward as a recommendation as, a, as opposed to open it up. I'm not sure what we're going to get when we open it up. Um, I'm not sure we're going to get projects that really enable affordable housing. We might, and that would be great, but we might get projects that we don't really move us forward. We'd have to say no to. We might have to say no to that. <clears throat> um, so I think anyway, you go ahead, you look. Yeah, um, this is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. Thank you, Mr. Chair. In my mind, the, um, the process that would allow the most flexibility is if the AHAB, um, if the AHAB was interested in purchasing land for future affordable housing development. Um, that is a best practice um, for increasing affordable housing that thus far we haven't taken advantage of this in the city, but we know that land prices are just increasing every year and that we do have a scarcity of lots. And so that would enable us to hold land. We wouldn't necessarily have to have a specific project defined at this time in order to hold the land other than we're holding it for future affordable housing development. And then the specific project could be defined later. Um, there is, was a question. Oh, sorry. Is, sorry, Leah. Is that available? To, uh, I mean, can we do that with 2024 funds? Do you think we have time to identify and make a recommendation to use the 2024 funds to do that? Mm, Jeff, do you? Can I kick that question over to you? What are your thoughts? I don't know the answer off the top of my head because there's some nuance in the way that the CIP and the funding works, and I don't happen to have an in-depth, all-knowing knowledge about that process. We could take a look and investigate it, but I, at the time, I don't, I don't know for sure. I, um, Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. Mark had asked earlier the amount for 2024. And so I just wanted to point out um, there's 380,000 designated for 2024 spending and 120 for 2025 spending. Um, if the recommendation is made in 2023, that would still enable basically all of 2024 to define the specific parcel if that's the way that they have wanted to move. 
So. Yeah, go ahead, Phil. Uh, so your your thoughts, Leah, is that that option provides us the maximum flexibility. And because I'm, I'm just trying to get wrap my head around around that, you, you know, and the, but in your opinion, that provides us the maximum flexibility. And, and tell me why that is. You can go through that logic again, if you would, please. Um, this is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. And in my opinion, that would allow us the most flexibility um, because we wouldn't have to have a specific project defined. And then the AHAB could take more time to be creative in developing what specifically um, the AHAB would like to see for that lot. Yeah. I think the other thing, Phil, is Monty, Soka, I think the other thing is that allows, as, as opposed to the market responding to funds available to right, accomplish right. something they want to accomplish, which will have a benefit. And I'm not blaming developers. That's what, you know, right. part of their business. <clears throat> we could take a little bit higher road and go, this is what our community needs. Yeah. I, I, a group here and go, this is what we want to move forward. Um, the benefit of affordable housing. So I think it gives us a, a little, maybe more control. And we can certainly target, you know, things that we want targeted that this, you if, know. If you put it in the existing NOFO, mm -hmm. would it have to be spelled out as a separate subcategory? Yes. That we would. I think we would. Because we'd have to, it needs to be a capital improvement project. So it has to be a tangible asset, essentially. You know, this couldn't be used to fund vouchers, and that's probably well, a terrible right, example. Right. But yeah. it could not be used for that. So it needs to have it needs to fall within the city's capital improvement yep. guidelines. And I'm, I'm I'm certainly not an expert on that, but capital improvement is capital improvement. So it's a long lived asset, however. Right, long lived by, asset. By so. the, uh, yeah. This is Nicholas Ward, a representative for tenants to homeowners. A question I would have is that. For the identification of properties and then for the decision making of which properties would be highlighted for um, to be purchased or to have those improvements made would it be this board's um, responsibility to help decide some of that or would that be a city staff decision and then just brought as a recommendation to the commission this is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. That would likely be um, city staff making a recommendation for the city commission approval and ultimate decision. Okay. Uh, Nicholas Ward here again. And one of the things I had thought about that I had noticed in my conversations with uh, Brian Jimenez with the city um, is that there's not super often in our community, but there are houses that go into, um, they get demolished and then sometimes um, folks that ha own those properties don't have the funds to pay for the demolished fees. And I see those, the way that those pop up, they're not really in any one specific neighborhood or location. It's kind of situation specific. And that might be um, an opportunity that just kind of presents itself. Okay. You may need thoughts to another direction. Yeah, just um, the the flexibility is one thing. Sometimes people worry about government entity or an advisory board having too much power. I'm sensitive to that. Um, as, as long as we can 
make it really apparent as to what we're doing and why, then I think the private sector will look at it as something they might be a part of, um, but not fearful of us as a competitor in their world. And it might motivate them to think a little more broadly or or offer something for sale. Or I, I think it could, there'll be criticism, trust me, but I think it'd be a really good idea. Um, Nicholas Ward of Tenant Soman, there's one more question. Um, so if, if something were to be purchased with city funds by the city, I know the city's not necessarily in the business of itself developing affordable housing. So then what, um, I know it's early on, but what do you imagine would be, what would that look like? Would it be a not-for-profit entity then somehow that would end up developing that? Would the land go into permanent trust for permanent affordability? Um, what do you imagine some of that would look like? This is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. Um, so it, obviously that would be an AHAB recommendation to the commission, but what I would imagine is that yes, that land would go into trust for permanent affordability and then the AHAB would more specifically define sort of what development um, you all would like to see and that it would be an RFP process for the development and build. Comment slash question, but there are there are two tracks here. There there is the possibility of of purchasing a privately owned parcel, and then there's also the possibility that of of using some city owned land and providing additional service. So there are actually two tracks involved in this this thing. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I would say more than two. I mean, those are two <laughs> examples. Uh, there could be others. I mean, we had a. Uh, not the last NOFO, I don't think, but the one before, we had a developer that came in and said, I'd like the city to build this section of street right. to get access to a parcel. Mm -hmm. um, and then maybe potentially provide some of lots within the development to the board in exchange for that. So, you know, those kind of conversations are coming. Um, as well. So there's, okay. there's, a, you know, if you can think of it, it's probably a possibility. Developers okay. are typically pretty creative folks. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. One, I've, Mark Bueller, I, I've spent a lot of time looking at the city owned lots because I'm obsessed with this concept that we have all these 800 lots out there that we should just blink our eyes and there'll be a house on them and that'll take care of the demand we have in this community. And so I've been looking pretty deeply historically over the last few years of what the city actually owns. And one of the things I think you need to remind yourself of is why does the city own it? And in many cases, the city owns it because they took care of a drainage problem. Um, may or may not be in the floodplain, but it's just the best way to handle the reality of what the circumstance was with neighbors, et cetera. So not every city lot is a, is a suspect um, or a candidate for what we're up to. Um, I, I just want to throw that out because I've been scouring the city-owned lot inventory because they all throw that in the, un, the inventory that's available. And the truth is the city's not necessarily selling that. One of my pet peeves. So um, I'll get off that soapbox and stop talking. <laughs> All right, so 
Um, I'm going to try to draw a summary and please jump in. Have at it. I think what I'm hearing is that this group would like the opportunity, either as a group or some subset of this group, and the city staff to explore what the opportunities are and then maybe present those opportunities to this board to review and then make a recommendation on how to spend those dollars. Is that, am I hearing that correctly or am I? On what time frame? Well, I'm not sure what time frame is, but I think because of the 2024 dollars, we would have to jump right on a 2024 recommendation you know, maybe within a month or two have a recommendation. I'm not sure what the schedule is on CIP, but it's probably rapidly approaching the deadline to spend those dollars or have them allocated. I I would guess with the, without having Cal in front of me, it is very quickly upon us, if not already here. Yeah. So I guess one question is, will either way, we're probably, whether we go through the NOFO process, which is one option or go through this, we're probably not going to have a decision, you know, by the timeline, by the date. So what does that mean? Have we lost the dollars for 2024 already? I mean, essentially, I hate to think we have, but. I may be speaking a little out of turn here. I without full information, but typically when that happens, we see this quite truthfully with the construction projects. We, you know, they, get started, they find out they can't go and they get pushed back a year and that money just kind of rolls back another year. So it kind of sits idle and waiting. I would assume that would be the case here, but I may be out of turn in speaking that. Okay, so if that if that is an option, then we should probably make a request to roll these dollars so that we can, you know, implement a process that would be a fair process and open to help have a couple, you know, recommendations to bring forward. All right, Monty. So I'm I'm, I'm getting looks in the room. I'm, what am I see? Go ahead, Karen. Uh, so would that be a, a subcommittee that would come up with those options, or would we ask the city to do that, or are you willing to take some right now? Well, I think I think we need we obviously need to work with the city staff because there's a lot of detail in every one of these sites. Like Mark pointed out, you might see a site and go, "That's a great site," and it's a, in the floodplain right, or it's whatever, you know, there's not sewer there, or whatever it is. So I think certainly the city staff has to be involved, but I think a subgroup of this that's interested maybe could work on that. I'm curious about the uh, the land near Castle on the Curve uh, that will be developed for, um, sustain- for affordable housing and the ARPA funds from the county have helped to purchase the land. Perhaps mm-hmm. uh, a city request for CIP for some of the either infrastructure either utilities or road infrastructure might be an excellent um, addition to that. I agree. That's that's classic of the things we should be looking at. And I don't know if that's possible, but that's certainly something we ought to be studying. If if I could just add one, uh, this is the Arizona Affordable Housing Administrator. Um, this city commission did award tenants to homeowners a million dollars out of city ARP funds in order to help with the development 
of that or other parcels that county art funds um, provided the purchase of. So not to say that that should be off the table, that could certainly be leveraged further, but just for everybody's information that the city has committed funds to help with the development of those parcels. All right. Do I have, can I get a motion or if no one wants to do it, I'll make a motion, I guess, to uh, recommend that, uh, well, is anybody willing to make a motion? I won't speak up until. All right, I'm not seeing anybody jumping out the way. We'll follow. Okay, <laughs> okay. I am going to make a motion that, um, we recommend that a subgroup of AHAB be formed aligned to work with city staff to identify projects that would fall in the CIP definition um, and come back to this body with recommendations and also ask that the commission uh, roll the current dollars over should we miss the deadline for the CIP submission for this year so that we don't lose those funds and can get those allocated appropriately. That was would, long, sorry. I would I would second that with, with a comment. Mm -hmm. I, I, think, I think this board ought to meet, uh, I want to say this politely, I don't, I don't want to get ahead of the staff. I don't want to get ahead of Leah, but if if Leah and the committee have to go to Jeff and Jeff has to go to, you know, I want to create a policy and and then kind of say, is this okay? As opposed to asking the question, can we do this? Let's let's do it and let them tell us there's some edges on this or we got an issue of time or something, but let's let's do our job first and let them, if they don't like it, they'll tell us. How about that? So I, I guess I want to give the staff the most flexibility to live their life, do their job, and us um, do ours mm -hmm. and say, we're here. This is what we want to do. We think we have, we think we could get our whole group together. Um, what do you think? As opposed to waiting for an appointment with three department heads, et cetera. Just a comment. <laughs> okay. So we have a motion on the floor and a second. Any further discussion? This is Nicholas Ward of Tennessee. Homeland. There's one other uh, point. So part of what we're talking about is current land that's currently owned by the city. Um, so and in others. And others, yeah. but in cases where the land is owned by the city and we're using um, CIP funding, the CIP funding would not then be to, of course, acquire that land, but the city would, we're assuming, or it would be come out through the commission that the city would say, we're putting this land into trust essentially for affordable housing. And then the CIP dollars would just be used for infrastructure. Is that correct? Okay. Well, I think so. maybe, I mean, the city may say, whoa, we need to take that money and do something else cool. But that's the, that's the idea. But then there's no, the city wouldn't be charging essentially the city 
or purchase of the land. That's what I'm saying, that that land with its actual value would just be moving into for the use of permanently affordable housing. I think that's their, I think that's their decision to make as yeah. opposed to us assuming think, that. Right. That's I think that's our, our request would be certainly they have the ability to make the decision whether that works for them or not. Okay. But yeah. All right. Any other discussion? Okay. I'm going to take the roll again. All right. Karen. Karen? She didn't hear you. Karen? She's frozen. She's frozen. Oh, she's frozen. Oh, <laughs> I've seen that now. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Uh, Sarah? Yes. Nicholas? Yes. Phil? Yes. Mark? Yes. Christina? Yes. Erica? Yes. Dana? Yes. Edith? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Monty? Yes. Karen, Karen are you frozen. back with us? Yeah, I am. And yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, motion passes 11 0. Um, so great. We're, we're off on a new adventure there <laughs> to help define projects that forward affordable housing in Lawrence. I think it's great. Uh, I, I would volunteer if people would have me on that committee. This is yes. Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. Yeah, Mr. Chair, is going to ask if we could take a moment to identify. Interested yeah. first. Yes, I was just about to do oh, that. You're ahead of me. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so if you are interested in serving on a, you know, I don't, I don't want to call it a subcommittee yet, but if you're interested in this work, uh, if you could volunteer now, we'll take those notes and then when we like start this up, we'll, and I will start by saying I am interested. I'm interested as well. So we have Phil, Mark. I would. All right. Going once. Oh, Thomas and Erica. Thomas. Erica. All right. Great. Thank you. And, uh, that's exciting. We'll, uh, we'll... Okay, so on to the next item. Uh, discuss recommendation on utilization of affordable housing trust funds in reserve. Um, so uh, I think Leah is going to put up on the screen the funds that are available. And um, so really what we're trying to decide is what we're putting in the NOFO for this year. Uh, to award in this year's NOFA, which will, you know, the money will be distributed in what, December ish? Or we'll make recommendations in November, December to the commission. Um, and there are really uh, three pots of money. We have the $1.9 million that are on account that we have to distribute. I believe we just moved, made a motion to remove the 380,000 that was the those were the CIP dollars that were out there so you can just strike that one off right there and then we have projected 2024 sales tax proceeds of about 850,000 Mr. Uh, Chair yeah um, I I have a hard time seeing how we could 
take that $850,000 and allocate it in any way without, without it being actual dollars. Right now it is only projected projection. We assume there will be something there. Additionally, my understanding is that what we are trying to do now is allocate 423. Is that accurate? Yes. Um, this is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. The AHAB, to my understanding, had determined to you to consider the um, funds in reserve for 2024 process because um, we won't have time to run a separate process at this point for 2023. We're already prepping for 2024 allocations. Thank you. So I guess I have a question. The projected 2024 sales tax proceeds, what period does that cover? Because we're gonna, if we award funds in December, which will be distributed in 24, when are, when are, what is this, what dates does this projection encompass? Um, the funds, uh, sorry, this is Leah Rosen, Affordable Housing Administrator. Um, is sales tax collected in 2023. 2020. The 2023 feeds into the 20 So these would be collected as we go through our process. They're being collected now. They're being collected now and as we go through our process. And so kind of to tack on to that, mm -hmm. is that through December 31st? And then at what point are those funds available? In other words, what typically, point, yeah. At what point do we know that now it's $852,000 or $848,000? At what point is are those two end of February? This is yeah. the Roslyn Affordable. Right. We don't, we don't know for certain until the audit's been done. Um, so we, we don't have the actuals until, what, February. But we... We have a pretty good um, idea based on the 2024 approved budget and that budgeting process is happening now. And Danny, do you know when the 2024 budget is approved? It's August. September, August, September. Statue. And, and, and well, I, I can add to it, Leah, correct me if I am wrong here, but yes, that 850 is looking at the 12 months of January to December. But when we did last year's, there were still three months that that we hadn't gotten at that point. So we're kind of always working two or three months in arrears with that number. So that is the projection for the calendar year, but good. That's and that was what I was yeah. kind of rolling-ish. Okay, so rolling-ish. Rolling <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna make a recommendation without any numbers associated with it, but I my personal feeling is we should hold not spend the full 850 and be conservative on what we spend. We have historically we've spent about a, we've had about a million dollars to award and we already have 2 million almost in the bank. I would hate to see us go to 3 million and the next year's, you know, sales tax go in the tank and we don't even we have half a million that, that you know, <laughs> I would rather see us level this a little bit but there's a balance there of we have the funds and we want to put them to use. So I'm torn. So I want to recognize that, but I, I'm, my gut is that we maybe shouldn't use all 850 and let a little bit of that roll partly because of the uncertainty and. But, but only because you don't think it's a good number, right? Not because you want to hold back. 
I don't, well, a little of both. I would love to see, um, I guess I would prefer to see a little leveling of the funding provided every, you know, annually. I hate to see us have a three million year and then a half million dollar year because we did a bad job projecting. I'd rather have a million and a half and a million and a half and maybe not to that extreme, but okay. um, we're, you know, in the bank, we're really flush with funds right now. I just think at some point you can't do too much holding back, right? I, I right. have it, a it, clarification. Mm -hmm. Sorry to interject this zero okay. for allowing the administrator. So at this point, what the recommendation that we're looking to make is on the reserve. So the budget process is happening now. The um, this um, this isn't so much the number. This is still um, projected. What we want to do is make a recommendation at this point for how much of the reserve budget the AHAB would like to recommend be moved over to the 2024 spend budget. So now there's 1.985 in reserve. And so that's the number we're looking at is how much of that um, would oh. you like to add to oh. the 850? That's a different question. This is uh, Nicholas with Tennis yeah. Dominators. Rebecca, or sorry, <laughs> Leah. Um, there you go, Rebecca, you got a shout out. Um, Leah, I was gonna, um, we had had a conversation before, I think maybe it was in the last meeting um, about why we were considering um, kind of portioning this out over a few years. And there was a, a concern or anticipation that in the future, as was mentioned, um, that there, there might not be as much uh, tax brought in, say, in 2024 or 2025, and that as Monty was mentioning, that we wanted to make sure that we had kind of a consistent expectancy or availability of funds over the next three, four years, and that not just throwing all of this into next year's would help. Does that sound right? Am I recounting that right? Okay. That's correct, yeah. But how do we get the $2 million surplus? Uh, I'll, I'll look at it the other way. Right. We've done this because we've under-awarded um, this is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. There were some projects in the past that were awarded and then they didn't move. And so those funds have just been held in reserve. Okay. And then I believe a couple of years we ended up, so as the discussion earlier, there are a few months that are always sort of in movement. We don't really know when it's budgeted, what the real actuals are. Right. And so a couple of years we've collected more sales tax than we anticipated and budgeted for. So those have gone into reserve as well. I, I guess I'd like to, if if we if history tells us that we have 70% of them get funded and 30% fall apart, and I'm sure it's not that simple, but if the awards aren't always honored, then I, I just, I think one of these days we're going to get to go to the public again for an extension of whatever this assessment is. Right. And I think it's important. I'm I'm not in a hurry, <laughs> but it's important that we go with them and say, here's what we've done. And and here's what we've tried to do. And this is all good stuff. And and if we got three million dollars worth of stuff we can't find a home for, they're gonna say, You don't need the money. And that's what I worry about. So that's that's why I'm a little I'm not worried that we're going to over commit our monies <laughs> right. because projects fall apart. They just do. 
So in light of that, Mark, would you recommend, and this I'm not asking for a, a motion right. at this point, so I'm sorry, Thomas Lawrence, Board of Realtors representative, would you then say, well, let's take the whole 101.95 and put it as the allocation? Find a home for it. I would. Knowing that some of that, where we find that home, might be and have no reserve at that point. I, I, I doubt they'll all get funded and developed. I just doubt it. Uh, this is Edith Gumby. I would say two things. One is we have to be better at tracking this uh, money and reserve fund because we have not consistently looked at projects that didn't go forward. In fact, I remember last time we were kind of surprised that we had this much money in reserve fund. Mm -hmm. So in the future, I would recommend that we consistently look at the money that we have in reserve funds. And secondly, we need people, we have people that need affordable housing now. So um, while I'm not sure I would put all of the money, I do believe in holding some money back, but this is a lot of money to have in reserve funds. This is so, Leah Roslin, affordable housing. I'm gonna, oh, I'm sorry, Edith, did I no, interrupt that's okay. you? No, that's fine. Oh, I, I apologize. Um, I wanted to make the additional comment, I suppose, that um, the AHAP could consider recommending moving some of those funds over to be utilized for the 2024 um, Affordable Housing Trust Fund, NOFO. Um, you may also consider holding some of those funds for the AHAB CIP project um, to help leverage those CIP funds. If I could make, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I weigh in. I, I I like what I'm hearing that the value is to turn these dollars into housing, Houses. and and I think as soon as possible. So the cheapest housing you can build was years before now, and we've needed it years before now. So I I don't see a value in holding for the purpose of holding. I can see a value in holding for the purpose of matching a CIP project that we that we are soon to identify and, and have a specific use for, but our job is to spend these dollars. Okay. I I have a comment on that. The, the second thing that, that Leah said, and, and at some point, I mean, I'm all for providing infrastructure, but it, but at some point we need to see houses on the ground and, and we need to be able to point to houses on the ground, not that we extended sewer lines to make houses possible. So uh, personally, I, I'm not for rolling part of the trust fund and attaching it to the CIP with an infrastructure thing in mind. I, personally, I'm I'm not for that. Uh, Nicholas Ward of Tenants and Homeowners, I don't know that you can divorce the two things, I think, because if you want affordable housing, my opinion, if you want affordable housing generated, but there's an infrastructure cost, where does that subsidy come from to get down to the price point where you can sell those houses at a reasonable rate? And that goes for not-for-profit entities and for-profit entities. Um, I know that the, the one request that I remember us getting from a, a for-profit entity they're asking for a few hundred thousand dollars to get a, a road put in essentially. So they have an island where they could put houses, but they don't have a road to get to it. Um, so that's holding them up. And then if they're going to offer some lots, but I know that's one of our huge costs when we're doing a, a development, maybe that has six houses is all the sewer and everything else is it's, it's,
it's real and we we're we're fastened to keeping our houses at a certain price and so we have to make up that difference somewhere to keep it sustainable this is christina gentry um i think uh we had this conversation um before and um i i would support what some of the others have said here as well as um holding in reserve and holding the amount of reserve. I think we have a responsibility to our public. These are tax dollars from items that they spend, the grocery store. Um, we need to, to, to make, make these fundings and make these funds um, available. Uh, I mean, the public will speak and, and maybe respond to some of these, um, these things that we are, are looking at, these amounts that, that they could come up with lots of different creative ideas. I mean, we, if with this amount of money, that could be incentivized for other uh, folks who were not thinking about affordable housing. Um, and so this money is, could be something of, of an added an addition to continue to move affordable housing into our community um, immediately. And I agree with, with some of the things that other members have said. Um, so I would feel comfortable uh, with the amount in reserve being available immediately for any projects and moving that forward into our, our projected uh, pot that we could utilize for 2024. Um, I understand saving, but I understand the need uh, outweighs this, what we're talking about as far as what we see projected. Um, the need exists today, um, so I would be comfortable utilizing the whole full amount into our reserves uh, for our purposes for 2024. I'd like to just make a motion that we move all of what we have in reserve. I mean, make make the allocation that that will be spent. Okay, so we have a motion on the floor. I second that motion. <laughs> you have to be quicker than that. <laughs> okay, so we have a motion and a second on the floor. Is there any discussion of that? Nicholas Ward of Tennessee Homeowners, I wanted to, Leah, if I could ask of you, um, just so it's out in the open in the conversation, what was the, can you spell out again, the thinking behind the holding back and the consideration that there was an anticipated that there would be less tax dollars coming in? Is that based on the fact that we're not paying tax on food anymore? Is that what it was? And do you want to just talk through that a little bit? Yeah, this is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. Thank you, Nicholas. It, yeah, in my mind, that's important for the AHOP to consider. Is it um, with the elimination or you know phase reduction of food sales tax that that will directly impact how much we get in affordable housing trust funds? So imagine um, having in 2023 we were able to award 1.2 million. Um, in 2024, if we utilize the full reserve, then we'll be awarding what almost 3 million. And then imagine in 2025, suddenly there's only 500,000 or 700,000 to award and what that will do um, to the capacity and sort of long-term needs that it's, yes, we need affordable housing now um, and we will need it in two years as well. <laughs> um, the other thing that might be a factor to consider is that um, we, the, both the city and the county have used um, a great deal of ARP, ARPA funds for affordable housing development and land purchase. And so this 2023 is sort of particularly flush in funding for affordable housing development and unprecedented amounts that we will not see in two years. So it, to me, that's an important consideration. Uh, can I ask, was that a discussion of this committee about the reserve funds to create this kind of reserve funding? 
this sort of pool. Did we discuss that as a committee? This is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. It's it's not an AHAB uh, recommendation or ah, determination okay. for funds and reserve. That's a finance yeah, ah, policy. Thank you. But I don't remember having this kind of discussion. <laughs> yes, uh, Edith Smonty, so good. Uh, you know, at one time, I think maybe three or four years ago, we talked about whether or not we would have, should have a reserve fund for projects that come up, you know, that we don't know about. And I think at that time we decided the same decision was made. Let's spend the funds we have and get them on the street as fast as we can. So I think that's where we landed on that. If that's maybe what you're thinking about. Mm. So. Yeah, that's what I recall. <clears throat> okay. Mark, Mark Bueller, this reminds me of, um, foundations, you know, for churches or entities, foundations that want to create a corpus. They want all this money, right? And then and then when people come ask them, we need, the church needs this now. And they're all real touchy about it. It's, it's like it's their money. <laughs> it's not their money. <laughs> and we're trying to save the affordable housing problem in Lawrence, as opposed to building a job for ourselves. And again, I'm not in a hurry. I don't want to flush money and make bad decisions. But but with the ARPA funds that have created vacant land purchases in Douglas County and Lawrence, the, the beginning step of a development for a good thing has started. We have to do our part to make this happen. That million dollars that the city committed on the CIP that may get that may get infrastructure in, and now all of a sudden, all of a sudden they've got land, they've got they've got lots. They can make a difference. We got to get to that stage. And um, anyway, it's it's time. And and if 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 we get worked out of business because there's no revenue, there's no sales tax, then I'll shake everybody's hand for a job well done, and we'll go do something else. <laughs> Uh, Nicholas Ward of Tennessee Homeowners again. The other thing, and maybe some of the other, um, if I can, if I can do that, folks on the call that are developing affordable housing, um, there, there's also the reality of capacity. You know, there's yeah, millions of dollars come in, and then it's like you got so many people to build so many things, and if you just add a hundred more things to their plate, I don't know that it gets done any faster without some um, complete shifting of the like architecture of how that organization works, and so even though we need it to happen quickly um, to keep that quality, to do it in a realistic timeline. There's also city processes and things that are, are, are a rule and they have to be followed and they stretch things out. And a project that you think might take nine months ends up taking 18 months. And it's just the reality of how it goes with things that pop up. And so I want that. I know our, our goal and our ideal is to get all these things here yesterday. Um, but with the partners that we have and the capacity that they have, and knowing that hopefully some for-profit entities do come up as well and are, can get some things on the ground. But what, like Erica, if I can point to you, like what do you think about this? Does having access to a, a ton more money make you make twice as many units twice as fast? Or what does that look like? Sorry, I was having issues with mute. Uh, Erica Zimmerman, Lawrence Habitat. I think you're right, Nicholas. We, I'm, you and I both know we have lots of things coming down the pipeline in our pipelines already and just throwing tons of dollars at it isn't going to build capacity or add capacity for us. So, um, yeah, I agree with what you said. 
This is Christina Gentry. Um, I, I think I'm responding also, not I think, I understand I'm responding to this being a surplus um, and this being a reserve. And the reason why we're having the surplus is because there were applicants who weren't able to meet uh, demands of just the infrastructure as well as whole. Um, my thoughts are that uh, providing more, uh, more funding may eliminate some of those barriers uh, that we had experienced where the applicants weren't able to meet at cost projects. And so what I'm thinking is, you know, if there's more funding available that we'd have, uh, maybe we'd get uh, other players besides tenants to homeowners, um, besides um, some of our regular players to come in and, and, and apply, um, because that is a big, big um, incentive to have 3 million as opposed to 1 million. Um, so what I'm thinking of is maybe we, we do the work of providing more funding um, so that those projects that did not make the, the checkmark box of being done and complete or in process have more of an opportunity to do that because there's more flexibility with spending. Um, not so much throwing money at like the organizations that are have been doing the work and continually give us applications every year, but this may be opening up the playing field a little bit by adding more monies and more funding available. That's my thought about just making those funds available immediately. Uh, Nicholas Ward, the tennis to homeowners. Thank you for that. And I, th I think um, my prediction on that is that we might get a much bigger pull or a request from tax credit projects and that we'd be looking at, um, cause we need them and we need units, but some of the, some of that funding might go directly towards term affordability versus permanent affordability. And that that's just, that's probably a reality. I know there's some big projects coming down, some from private developers that if there's an extra million dollars in there and they're able to make some units, they're going to request it. And, um, that's a decision for this board to initially make as a recommendation, but, um, that's going to be a pretty tasty. Um, tasty morsel for the commission to see that there could be units quickly if they would allocate that funding. And we, I know one of our goals is permanent affordability. Commissioner Willie here. I, I think we get to vet those projects. So when projects come forward, we can talk to them about capacity, talk to them about permanent affordability, uh, but not offering the dollars doesn't get us any discussion at all. It's okay if we get new players, if we get new ideas, new projects coming coming to us. Um, what I don't want is to pre predetermine what we might get and then hold on to dollars un unnecessarily. And I'm very sorry, I have to take off to another meeting, uh, but thank you all for the time and the great discussion. All right, I'm going to call the vote. And uh, just a reminder, this is to allocate the full amount in reserve, the 1.9, whatever that number is. I can't read it from here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Karen? Yes. <laughs> okay. Sarah? No. Uh, Nicholas? No. Phil? No. Mark? Yes. Christina? Yes. Erica? Yes. Dana? Yes. Edith? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Monty? Yes. Uh, motion passes 
So we'll be awarding uh, the full amount and we'll be evaluating those projects. And I suppose if they don't measure up, we don't have to award all the all the funds that are available. So um, great opportunity, also a very important and weighty decision we'll have in front of us if we have projects that that don't measure, you know, don't meet the mustard. <laughs> so thank you for that discussion. It was a great discussion by the group. So um, we're going to move on to item four, uh, review and discuss 2024-2028 Affordable Housing Advisory Board goals and strategies. Um, that is to determine outputs for goals six and seven, I think is one of the primary things we wanted to do. Those are the two new goals that we have. And in our workshop, we didn't really kind of have enough time to kind of flesh out all of the um, strategies with that. Um, so with that, did, Leah, did you have anything to add to that? I think that's the, you want to look at the strategies we have and. Yeah. Um, thank you, Mr. Chair. This is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator, and I will go ahead and share screen for that. Um, I can get my mouse to work. Oh, okay. Um, as uh, the chair noted, the Ahab at the retreat added two new goals. Goal number six, increase racial equity in housing. And goal number seven, increase community awareness and engagement and partnerships in affordable housing. And so the way that I like to think of a goal or um, a goal and output and a strategy is that the goal is what we want to do. The output is how much we want to do it. And the strategy is how we do it. And I'll combine that it would be our outcome. And um, we... <laughs> Um, we did identify the goals for six and seven, but did not have time to get to the outputs or the strategies. And so to frame this a little more, this discussion a little bit more, um, in addition to the new goals, six and seven, we didn't have a great deal of time to go through, and in my mind, um, really discuss strategies for the other five goals as well. And so I'm wondering if the AHAB would like to look at that as well, that the strategies that are on the goals as currently were sort of carryovers from the previous goals and strategies, but we didn't really have a lot of time to discuss maybe new or innovative strategies or to look at aligning with the community housing and homelessness plan. And so I think that really to get this where we want it, um, so we can use this as a roadmap in our work for the next five years, that it will, um, that they have may consider a couple things. One, looking at um, identifying additional strategies for goals one through five. Two, determining what the outputs will be for increasing racial equity in housing. So what exactly does that mean? We want to increase racial equity. So does that mean um, that we want more BIPOC home ownership? Does that mean that we want policy change? What, what exactly, how are we operationalizing that? Um, 
And then finally, um, the, the AHAB might want to consider a separate process for how we will get to determining the strategies, both in goal six and seven, and maybe the other ones. I'm not sure if the regular two-hour AHAB meetings allow for sufficient time to explore these. Um, so for example, with goal six, increase racial equity in housing, well, before determining the strategies, you really have to get educated on what the issues are. You have to do a review on what best practices are, what other communities are doing, what is being recommended for this, um, it, it, to really make smart and informed recommendations for that. And so I'm curious as to whether these two-hour meetings are the best format to do that, or if you all would like to consider some other way of coming to that, knowing that the board may be at capacity for subcommittees. Um, so um, I just said a lot, but yeah, the first the first um, task is to, to um, determine the output goals for six and seven, and I'm not sure if we'll get to that in this meeting either. Um, but just to frame it out a little bit more, and then I'll kick it back over to Monty to sort of set the time frame in for the rest of this meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How much do you think we can do today? Well, I would think if we could get the output goals for six and seven, that'd be a good start. Uh, strategies, you know, I think maybe it is going to take some outside work to come back with a, maybe a recommendation to this board. Um, So, <clears throat> if Thomas Howe, Lawrence Porter, Realtors Representative, uh, for goal six, increasing racial equity in housing, I think we need to know what that imbalance is before we can figure out how we can improve that. Mm -hmm. And so, I think we've got to have from someplace, and I don't know where that place is, some analysis of what that that inequity looks like now and have some quantify it for some quantifier for it so that we can then move the needle without having without having where it is we don't have a needle to move right. and i think that if what we're trying to do is not just increase it but substantially increase equity in in our in our housing market then we've got to know where we are <laughs> I see a lot of head nodding, but no one, no one picking that ball up. So, so where does that kind of information come from? Mm -hmm. Is that city provided information? Is that, I mean, is that Justice Matters provided information? Mm. I don't know where it comes from, but I sure think that as we move towards this goal, we need to know those things. <laughs> This is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. We can get a lot of that information through the Census and American Community Survey. Um, so, for example, if we're looking at what the disparities are in um, Black, African American, or Indigenous home ownership, that's a, a number we could bring back, or what the racial disparity is in experiencing housing instability or spending more than 30% of your income in housing. That's something that we could bring back. I do think that it would be helpful maybe um, to have some more 
uh, a better container for exactly what you'd like us to come back with. So is it, you know, homeownership? Is it cost burden? What exactly are we looking at so that we could? And, and I might suggest that it is certainly both of those things and more. And I don't know what those more things are. Right. That's a good start. Mm -hmm. uh, and perhaps what we do is we say, well, get us the data on these particular things. And then maybe we can then say, okay, more things in that bucket are X, Y, Z. Okay. And Mark, Mark Bueller, it, is it an ownership question or is it good housing? Oh. I, it would be a question that I'm, because we're working on housing, <laughs> um, not all the fee simple ownership and if we succeed, we're going to feel good about what we did, but did that, is that the ultimate goal? And I, and I think if, if we're asked to analyze the housing disparity, there's a whole bunch of other people we need to know about this, like jobs and like, I mean, the owner, the ownership is at the end of a whole bunch of other good things that have to support that, um, that managing debt and having stable income and blah, blah, blah. I mean, on and on. So it's bigger than I am for sure, but, um, this filling art, uh, but from the ACS, you, you can get breakdown. Oh, go ahead. Okay. You, you can get breakdowns of home ownership and rent burden as a function of, of, you know, income, ethnicity, and so on and so forth. Right. So that, that gives us the, the starting point with respect to the needle. I mean, we should be able to provide those summaries, you know, without without too much trouble. Is that correct? Okay. I mean, I, I think that's, I think that's the starting, I mean, without going into more detail, I think that's the starting point. It, try to put this with the rubber to the road here. If we have that starting point, then we could potentially form a goal of saying a 20% a increase, 20 increase right. on this and our, you know, to take that a step further, our funding will require, if we're providing funding, there's going to be some kind of teeth in that to make sure that they are pushing forward that goal. Well, well certainly it should be a criterion that's weighted in the evaluation of, of funding requests. Something like that. I think we got to, it's got to take that second step to, if, on the strategy side to, if we're able to get I, I apologize. I don't want to interrupt. Dana's had her hand up for quite a while. <laughs> oh, sorry. I can only see one person on my screen here when it's. Thank you, Leah. I appreciate that. Um, just merely to say that um, part of this came up during our NOFO uh, rewrite um, requirements that Monty and Sarah and Leah and I are looking at as one of the subcommittees. And having those, these two, especially as goals, is really good. But if we don't have outputs and strategies over them, then it's just aspirational. So I completely agree that we need to have some work here. And it's unfortunate that we ran out of time during our strategy session. 
um, our retreat, uh, but this is too important to just kind of squeeze it in to a two-hour meeting where we have all the rest of the work. And, and, and in addition to these two new goals, I think it's really critical that we go back and look at the strategies of the other goals that had been there, but slightly reworded um, from previous and align it with the enormous amount of work that's going on with the housing and homelessness strategic plan in our community and a lot of other efforts. I think we really need to pay attention collaboratively with what else is going on in our community and make these goals and strategies work rubber on the road, tangible things that we can measure and really show the success of this organization and then build our NOFA based on this. Thank you. This is Christina Gentry. Oh, I'm sorry, Dana. Uh, this is Christina Gentry. Uh, I, I think that these um, discussion is, is important. I think Leah and I were also speaking to the capacity of this group to even form another subcommittee to look into what this work <laughs> will look like. Um, I, I I don't know if if this is another idea that we could capitalize on, but but we heard mention of the House of Strategic uh, Committee. I think I just messed up that what that title of that group was, but in essence, it's looking at these um, equity issues with with a needle. And so I don't know how and what our capacity is to include others outside of the AHAB into these discussions to form these subcommittees. And I'd like to maybe make, raise that to see if that's something as an opportunity that we can invite other people doing in, in other initiatives that are doing this work so that we, we are not at capacity where we, we are just, you know, just not really able to do the intentional work because we're just spread out in other subcommittees within the work of the AHAB group itself. So maybe my question is, how open are we, or can we even explore the idea of inviting other players, other um, other folks into that are working in the space that aren't carrying an AHAB member hat, but can can contribute to this discussion and, and to provide some of the strategic strategies and goals, uh, so that we could be really intentional about putting pushing these goals forward. I like that idea, Christina. Thank you. Yeah, Christine, I like that idea too. I'm almost wondering, you know, when we did the uh, non-discrimination funding, we actually passed that work on to a different group to push it back to us with their recommendations. I mean, is that a possibility as well that we asked this other group, say, you tell us what you think, it, you know, would help us forward our this goal? And then we can, you know, review that and incorporate it. I don't know, or work with them either way. I just, sometimes it's not our work and we're not experts in that field. I'm certainly not an expert in this field. So uh, I think we should consider that at least. Uh, this is Christina Gentry. We we uh, did a lot of work with our um, um, other, I would say, I, their, their name did not change, uh, but it was um, the house, you nope. Know, Oh, someone help me out with the other the, the uh, group the, that was that was profoundly <laughs> important that I was working with that really uh, escapes me now. But we utilize the work of an, another um, city mm -hmm. organization to 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 move and push that work forward. Um, and so maybe that's something that we can consider and talk about uh, contributing to to making uh, this to be a, a group effort as well. Dana Ortiz, Family Promise of Lawrence, along those lines, um, 
some of us may not even be aware of the housing and homelessness strategic effort going on collaboratively, but if we put forth a request for them to come to one of our meetings and talk about what present already what they're presenting to city commission and such so we get all educated about that they've there's been an enormous amount of work that could also guide our um, wordsmithing of the strategies we have on the previous um, five goals and and match that up so that we're all working from the same sheet of music, uh, so to speak. I, I I would like to see members of those subcommittees of that homeless and housing um, strategic plan group come and present uh, what they've got so far to this to this body at a at a future meeting. Uh, Leah, is that possible to request that? Is Leah Roslin, Housing Administrator. Yes, absolutely. And within that housing and homelessness um, stakeholder group, we talk a lot about collective impact and wanting to really align um, all, all the groups towards the same strategies. So I know that we would be happy to do that. And I just want to note that there are several members on the AHAP that are contributing heavily to, I'm a part of that work, Monty, Erica, Dana, Rebecca, Nick. So there is some of that happening already, but we can certainly be much more intentional in aligning our goal strategies and out outcomes. And if, if I could add to, we're working on the consolidated plan for the city, which looks at CDBG and home funding. And we are also aligning it with the strategic plan that the um, homelessness and housing stakeholders group has put together. So we're, we're in that same space working to align all that as well. Okay. So I'm, I'm I'm the chair, but I'm still unclear where we are. <laughs> so, um, uh, do we want to? Uh, what are we saying here? We're going to get a presentation from this other the other group that will help us determine maybe the outputs and goals for six and seven. Is that what we're doing? And we're also getting and strategies staff to return the a the ACS analysis. Uh, is on the ownership, so we on, have a starting on, 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 on ownership and and uh, cost burden and ethnicity, or or something along those lines. Okay. And Monty, I'd like to add to that um, the first part of it with the homeless and housing strategy group stakeholders mm -hmm. group that we also get their feedback uh, so that we can alter the strategies as needed on goals one through five, as well as guidance on goals uh, six and seven. Okay, and then Christina, what was the name? I know you can remember the name oh, of this God. other group. Oh, my but if you could come up with that later and get to Leah, I think. Yeah, and I, I, sorry, it was absolutely just Christina Gentry. The Human Relations Committee was also very um, influential and instrumental in moving some of these agendas and topics forward too. I just had a you know a brain art for a moment. I couldn't remember it either. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. This is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. So it, absolutely um, that housing and homelessness stakeholder group, which is comprised of um, work group, uh, focus area work groups, the um, affordable housing work group can come 
would actually be me and Gabby and some other members of this board um, to present the strategies for that. There is an equity and inclusion work group that we can ask to come to present strategies and recommendations for that. There is no work group in that coalition for the community awareness and engagement. And so I think that's the only part that, and what I was going to recommend is that the strategy for now is developing a plan and that um, maybe we kick the can a little bit just for capacity issues. Um, well, and maybe each one of the subcommittees does have that as a component, though, correct? Or at least the affordable True. housing one does. So perhaps we use that as a starting place to Good get point, our ideas Anna, moving. This is Christina Gentry. I could see goal number seven, increasing community awareness and engagement and partnerships um, and being embedded in each one of our goals. Um, so maybe the strategies be included. Goal one, you know, continue to push forward more communication out to our public, and that be a continuing strategy that just kind of resonates throughout each of our goals. Goals one through six, six, and then goal seven just be like implemented throughout each. Um, maybe I don't. I I think goal seven stands alone in itself to be um, a pretty important one, and not to take away from. It standing alone as a goal, uh, but I think it's so important to to implement communication into each and every one of our goals, um, especially as a community awareness and engagement and partnerships. So uh, that's just my just my two cents into that this conversation. This is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. One thing that I, um, I would ask that Ahab maybe consider more immediately is whether you all would like to consider utilizing some of the trust funds for community awareness and engagement, which historically trust funds have not been used for that purpose. But if this, as since it's added as an additional goal, since we're working on updating the NOFO, if, if you all would like to consider um, having some funds go directly to that, then we should add that to the NOFO. And that decision doesn't have to be made today, but maybe next month. <laughs> Yeah, um, Smonty, so good, sure. I, when I read that, I'm personally not in favor of that unless there is a plan and a proposal brought before this group at the NOFO time. If there's a project that's going to promote this and it comes through the regular NOFO process and competes with the other projects, I'm okay with that. For us to self-allocate funds, I don't, I don't like the feel of that. Uh, sorry, Nicholas Ward with Tennessee Homeowners. Would we be self? I get. Uh, what do I want to say? Would we be setting aside funds to have a separate entity do that work? Is that essentially it? Because I, I don't think we're going to get some agency to apply to do that work within the structure and timeline we have. But would we be identifying? We prioritize this. We want it to happen, and then um, maybe just like with. Um, city contracting things, there's an approved list of people or something like that or entities and we say, this is something we want to commission. And I know we're just an advisory board, so it's that we're just saying this is a priority we want to make sure that's communicated. This is Sarah Waters. Um, so just, I'm going to go ahead and share the work that a little bit about the work of the current NOFO draft, because 
because we're talking about all of this already and we're like the goal like what we've gotten to so far is taking the goals and then actually aligning the the nofo application so that it aligns better because we realized as we were reviewing that the goals had even the goals didn't even fully align with some of the wording so why i bring this up right now is because what we're talking about is critical but we're not going to have all of this done before that nofo has to be available and so when Dana and Monty and Lee and I meet this week to work through this, I do think we'll have all seven goals on there. And to Monty's point just now, I think it's possible that we could, you have to check as part of your application, which goals you're, you're meeting. And that we could get an application that was only meeting this marketing and outreach. And then it would be up to us to look at it and decide whether we wanted to allocate funds. And if it's $5,000, that's really different, right? Than 50,000. And so, so that's the current path forward, I believe, that we're going to bring back to you with the NOFA draft. And then all of these other pieces, we can fold in afterwards, um, just for a little bit of context there. Um, because I, and, and where we get with this is going to be critical as we engage with those other entities that were just talked about. But a lot of that, is, well, none of that's going to be ready for the current draft. We're still just going to have this goal on our application or our NOFO, and we're going to see then what what kind of responses we get then when we allocate for the shares funds. Thank you, sir. That's a good point. And I think to Nicholas's point, the uh, staff here could submit through the NOFO for a proposal you know, if we had, if they went out to, a, I don't know, it's called a marketing company or something and had an idea for promoting, that could be submitted as a project uh, within the process. But I think it all stays in the process to me. Um, and everybody has an equal shot at those dollars. Yeah. Nicholas, what it sounds so much, it sounds like to me then just like any other construction project or something like that, like the mention of 5,000 to 50,000, what you know, like what's a realistic dollar amount for this type of work from a professional agency that would administer something like that on a level that could reach um, the public in general, if that's our goal. And then, because um, my guess is it's probably it's probably more than fifty thousand dollars. If you ever had a logo designed or something like that, you, you think what you know, it's it, it's a bit. And then you have the public outreach component. And so, would that be something they develop? And then it goes to our we now have um, a community engagement person with the city. It goes to them and that's on them to do or, you know, what does that look like? And so I think um, having a really informed budget, if we are creating a budget for that. All right. All right, Leah, it is 1244. We got 15 minutes. <laughs> so I'm going to, did we get to a sufficient place to provide you guidance to get us to the next meeting? Um, yeah, thank you, Mr. Chair. This is Lee Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. So what I have is that um, the AHAB would like staff to come back with some data on what the dispar current disparities are in terms of racial equity and housing, mm -hmm. and then have members of the housing and homelessness group, um, work groups come back and present on the goals and strategies as outlined in that community plan and potentially aligning. And in terms of goal seven, that it will be included in the NOFO and that that will be an issue that the AHAB will continue exploring. Is that what I'm hearing correctly? 
think so. Okay. Um, I just want to add that we'd reach out to the Human Relations Committee on Goal 6 as well and see what kind of input they have and ideas about how to measure, how to implement, because I think they might have additional input. Can you add that to what you said? Um, sure. At least get their guidance on. All right, while you're typing, I'm going to, unless there's any other comments, I'm going to move on to item five, discuss regular affordable housing advisory board meeting format. So since COVID, we've been meeting, we've met remote, we've met hybrid. Um, so uh, I just want to give everybody the opportunity, you know, if we want to try to meet in person more um, or decide to, uh, you know, like when we have presentations meet in person or people like the hybrid, uh, personally, my preference is to meet in person because I like a lot easier to manage the meeting, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but also, I value, highly value the ability of people to zoom in uh, if they're traveling or out of town or sick or whatever. I, there's certainly value in that. Uh, but my preference is to have uh, meet in person if possible. But I realize that's my preference and not everyone's. So I'd like to hear what other thoughts are. My strong preference, not just preference, but strong preference is to be able to look at the people that I'm engaging in to sense um, whether it's movement or without having to look at multiple screens. I am a strong proponent of in-person meetings. And I think that there may be situations where somebody just absolutely can't make it. And perhaps you make an allowance at that point for a video zoom in, but strongly in favor of of in-person. This is Christina Gentry. Are we, <clears throat> excuse me, moving to action to, to to agree to meet either or, or are we talking about considering continuing the hybrid? Because um, I want to speak for really um, from a position of privilege. It is a privilege to be able to come into a building, to be meeting in person, to sit for two hours in a space. Um, so meeting in hybrid offers a lot of flexibility for those who aren't able to come physically into the building. Uh, so I would hate to eliminate that option to, com to yeah. continue to connect. Yeah, um, I'm not sure I'm recommending either. I, I, I don't think we get rid of the remote option <clears throat> because of the flexibility it provides for people. Um, I mean, we have people in this meeting today that are not in the state right now, but they're able to attend. And I find that highly valuable. Right. So I'm not going to say that's going to be an exception or, you know, I think that has to be an option. I think it's the world we live in. So, but my, uh, I would love, you know, if, uh, I guess, uh, if the norm is to meet in person or the norm is to be hybrid, I'd like to kind of create a norm. And then obviously the flexibility is there for all situations. Um, and if the norm is that we have, you know, six people online every time and six here or whatever, then that's the norm. It's fine. I just, my preference is to meet in the room and uh, kind of like seeing everybody and uh, it's just a little easier to interact. I, I appreciate the in-person. I, I learn more from people <laughs> when they're, when they're here, um, when I can read body language and all that. So that would certainly be my preference. And I intend to 
to meet in person um, and hope as many of you can as can. Um, it, it makes us better, I think, but I understand. I don't know that we're going to have an answer here, <laughs> Leah. Uh, I think we obviously have to continue hybrid, um, but I guess I would encourage people to come if they're able. Um, and if you're not, we're, we certainly want you to come uh, remotely. This is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. I, um, I think just a couple of points. One, it would be really useful to know how many folks are going to start coming in person. If that is, we have already reached sort of, I mean, the dais is overflowing already. And so we'll need to reconfigure the room if more people are going to come in person. Um, so if I could just <laughs> ask for you all's help in that so that we can be prepared. Um, additionally, I think there are a couple equity issues to consider. The equity issue that Christina brought up about the privilege of being able to come in the room is one consideration, but something that I've noticed particularly today as more people are here in person is that the conversation has really focused on the more, um, the people here in person have been participating more in the conversation and the people on Zoom um, may sometimes be lost or talked over because we're not able to see the hands raised and that every single voice on the AHAB is vitally critical. And so if we are going to have per people participating via Zoom, um, the, we come up with ways to make sure that all voices are being heard equitably. So I guess the, uh, <laughs> no consensus there. Uh, so we'll continue on in this format. Obviously, uh, we would love to have you in person if you're able to come. Um, and if you would let Leah know if you're coming in person so that we can have appropriate accommodations, uh, we'll go for another month and see how that goes. And that's where we'll be, I guess. Uh, moving on. Uh, let's do the quick updates. Um, we have the AHAB Land Development Code Update Recommendation Committee. Who is Karen? Is Karen our person? Well, Karen She's is the chair first. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we're going to skip that this time. <laughs> and and yeah, and Jeff left too. So, do you want to try and provide a brief or? Well, it would it would all be questions. I mean, I think that the thing that Leah sent out uh, kind of roughly sketches out where we're at, but I'm not real clear, and I don't think anybody in the subcommittee was real clear on the schedule on which we're operating. When are we supposed to have our, you know, our recommendations so that they come back before the entire committee so that they get funneled into the update process, you know, it's it's not real clear to us how, how we're operating there. That's, I don't know if we can get clarification without Jeff being here or. This is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. So I suppose in terms of an update, I could share that um, Trent reached out to um, the staff that is leading the process that's working with the consultants and requested a meeting. And so um, we're going to have a meeting, and at that point, we can get more clarity and come back to the full AHAB. Okay, okay. 
All right. Um, I think Sarah did a nice job of already summarizing uh, what we're doing on the uh, application committee update. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I would. The other thing that when we discuss this update, um, so we're working on the NOFA first, and then we're going to rework the matrix because that's something that is important. We know in terms of the matrix alignment. Um, and so, again, it's it's a lot of work, but I think we've made some good progress so far, and the discussions today were also helpful. I think, and I think next meeting is the draft that we need to share, right? Yeah, I think to stay on target. So we have a lot to do in the next few weeks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, receive affordable housing and homeless stakeholder group update. Is that you, Leah? Yeah, this is Leah Rose on Affordable Housing Administrator. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that all the AHAB members were aware that we presented the draft Affordable Housing and Homelessness Community Plan to the City Commission last week. You can view that presentation and see the strategies um, online through the City Commission agenda. And if you have any questions, I'm happy to take those offline or now. Okay, thank you. And then on the calendar, really, uh, I'm not going to read through that other than there is that recognition on May 2nd. And then the other is basically up, upcoming topics and meetings for this group. Um, board is Chair, oh, oh, okay, um, this is Christina Gentry. I believe that we were talking about new business items or that that was not added to the agenda. Um, maybe there was some other discussion I, on I that. Do, and I, I do have one new, uh, new business item. Um, it came to my attention the other day that in 2015, Diane Stoddard wrote a memo about the development about where this committee had come from and where it had been. I've never seen that, but I've been told that there is something which says, here's how this is developed, here's where we're going with it. I'd like to see that memo. I additionally would like an updated version of it. I'd like a 2023 version of that information and that memo. I will. I should be able to find you a copy of it. Oh, we can, we can work on that. I don't know that we can get it back by next meeting. It was a very, very large document, and just knowing per, perhaps, perhaps I'll, the I'll get it to you. Of it, but, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, we can we can forward the the original one. Okay, we just refer to it as the memo because <laughs> good and and so. I think since we have a number of new members to the committee, that would be a valuable okay. instrument. We can do that. Okay. And, and perhaps that's something that on a regular basis could get updated, you know, as, as we make changes and as we move forward with how the committee is working, that that could be something or which a we- a living document. Mm -hmm. okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Anything else and uh, new business? Thank All you, right. Um, then we are adjourned. Thank you for your work today. Thank you. Giving you four minutes. Three back. minutes, four minutes to <laughs> make, make note of that because I'll need it probably at the next meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hold it four minutes in advance. Oh, Thank you, everyone. Yeah, we're adjourned. <laughs>